reads, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, a sinner from the wandering, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Amen. May have you see as Pastor Todd comes. Good to be here with y'all this morning. Well, we've been in this letter for 24 weeks, and it comes to a close today. Um, amen. I, wow. I had to take that, Jonathan. Good gosh. My prayer has been this, that this letter for you has been as encouraging as it has been for me, just uh, where God has us and has us through these last 24 weeks or go through uh, the life of this church. Uh, I can't, couldn't think of a better letter uh, to have read and taught through over these 24 weeks. And again, that wasn't because I knew what we were going into. That was because of just praying and asking God to reveal to uh, me what he would have for his people. Man, did he do that uh, in ways I never could dreamt or imagine. And so we do bring this uh, small little letter to a close. Uh, this morning. Uh, here's where we're headed uh, over the next few weeks uh, and months. Uh, now till Christmas, I will next week start what we call the Jesus stories. I've done this two other times. We're going to look through some six parables through uh, the Gospels. Then we'll go into Advent to get prepare our hearts for uh, Christ, uh, his coming, uh, both through his birth and then ultimately through his return to redeem us his children and then in this winter spring we will go through the book of first john so if you want to know where we're going that's where we're going start reading the the little book of first john the book of first john is an amazing book it really has a two-fold message of two-fold messages love god love other people that's what our mission statement here is at powell's chapel we want to to know god and to make him known to know god we must love god to make him known we must love People And so that's kind of where we're headed over the next several months. But here we go. We're going to bring this letter to a close. Here's the deal with this letter and the way it closes. It closes uh, unlike many other New Testament books. There is no benediction from James. There's no coming in and ending it with a soft landing. It's like James, you could have, he starts with a punch and ends with a punch. It's like body bow. But I mean, throughout these five chapters is body blow after body blow and then it's like he's going to come with the uppercut to, to end the book and this last two verses is an uppercut for us the title for this message is this it's called if you were want to label it it's the rescue mission james is now going to call us to what he's been talking about through the entire letter remember this entire letter is about this do you have a faith that works because your faith will be demonstrated by what you do now it's not what we do that saves us but if you're saved works follow your salvation and so james has been throughout his letter told us that a safe faith must be love with action and that's where he holds his hands that's what he's saying to us 
And now he's going to come to the end and say this. Because what he's been addressing through these these five chapters is the man who's in the church that really has no faith at all. That is terrifying to us. That you may be here, you may be sitting in this pew, you may be sitting in this pew year after year after year after year, and you have no faith at all. This is who James is addressing this morning. So this morning as we start, and then I'll pray, and then we're going to dive in, you have to ask yourself this question. Do I have a true saving faith? Does my faith have actions? And if my faith has no actions, James would say, you really have no salvation. That is not what Todd says. That is what God's Word says. And so you and I must examine our lives to see, do I really have a faith that is alive and active? Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump in this morning to God's holy Word. God, through the stillness of Your Spirit, I pray that Your Spirit would call to us two things. If we're here this morning and we think we have a saving faith, but we do not, I pray that we would hear from the Holy Spirit. And we turn and repent. And we be drawn to you like never before. And then for us that are in the room, God, I pray that you would use this message the way you've used this message in my life. To, to remind me that I'm on a rescue mission that you would use us in powerful ways to call the man, to call the woman that's wandered back to you. So lead us, guide us, give us great hope through your word. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus and all of God's people said, amen this morning. Anyone ever been lost before? Yesterday? That's because you were at Knoxville. I, I'm not going to go there. And so if you've been lost or you ever lost a child before, I, I remember when I was in middle school, we had a babysitter. And so the babysitter came, and I, I don't know why. I mean, my uh, parents aren't always the brightest parents. My parents definitely weren't the brightest. Uh, this is being recorded, so I better be careful what I say. But uh, for whatever reason, my parents, the neighbor's parents, left this with a high school-age girl. Bad idea. Um, and something happened, so there was a, a slew of us all the way from middle school down to elementary school, and the, the youngest was this young boy, and I, I remember that young boy wandering off. Well, what happened was, to get to the very end of the story, the, the mom of the neighbor of the boy took him instead of leaving with the babysitter. And so about 25 minutes into being babysat with no parents around with a 16-year-old girl, all panic went out. And we went searching through the neighborhood for this little boy. We went searching uh, through every house in his house, in my house, in every room of the house, seeing if he was under a bed, in a closet, hiding. And for hours, this was before cell phones. So just imagine no cell phone, can't get a hold of parents. You got a 16-year-old girl trying to navigate a, a slew of children. So there was about 10 of us with a 16-year-old girl. It was chaos. But I can remember how scary of a situation that was. And and I can remember us talking about how are we going to find this child. Finally, we got a hold of my parents, and we got a hold of his parents, and then the parents came uh, back. The one parent that didn't come back was the parent with the child. 
And so then they started calling the cops, and the cops got involved. And we lived on a river, and so then there's this uh, a rescue mission with the boats that came out. I mean, it was all hands on deck to find this little boy. And this is what James is going to talk to us about. I think so often we miss the point of this passage, and we don't see the seriousness of this passage. James is telling us here in these last two verses of all the things that James could tell us as he concludes the book. He says to us, the church, you have to be reminded you are on a rescue mission for the one who has wandered away. Many people have wandered from the truth. And James is calling us, the church, So let's go after the one who has wandered. John says, and we're going to study this here in a few months. John says it this way. He's going to say to us, don't be surprised when people come and leave. This is how John says it in his small little book. He says, they went out from from of us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, They would have continued with us, but they went out from among us. That it might be plain to us they were never a part of us. But James is saying here that there are going to be people that come into the church and they're going to wander from the church. They're going to wander from their their faith. They're going to wander from God. But James says even though we know they're going to come and we know they're going to wander, he now puts the responsibility not on the one who wandered, but on us, the believer, to go after them. I just wonder how often, I know in my life, because it's been so convicting this week, I have a dear friend who has wandered from the faith. He was a pastor. He went to seminary. He was a brilliant man when it came to theological convictions and truth, but he is so far from the gospel. I've known this for the last few years, and I've often thought to myself, when will I have an opportunity to share with him that he's wandered from the faith? Because there's been moments that I begin to bring up the faith, and he becomes really combative. And it's like, ah, I don't want to go there, because you get combative, you're going to hurt me, and I I would just rather us stay friends. You ever tried to, to rescue a cat from a tree? Like, you know they need to be rescued. They don't know they need to be rescued. You go to grab them out of the tree to rescue them, you get clawed to death. How often is that true for those men and women who have wandered from the faith? They don't even know they've wandered. They don't even know they're lost. And it's our job, our responsibility to go after them. And when we go after them, man, it, it does not well go well for us who go after them. But it ought not surprise us that they've wandered from the faith. The Word of God tells us they are going to be people that come and go. Jesus himself tells us that in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13 is a parable about the the good soil. Remember that he says in the parable that there's four types of soil. The the, the four types of soil is this. There's there's the hard soil or the path. The the pathways that it's just been trampled on. This pathway has been trampled on and it's so compacted and so hard that no matter if you spread the seed out, the seed will never take root. 
and the birds of the air come and devour it. So they have no faith at all. They're as lost as lost can be. But then Jesus says there's these other kind of soils. There's a rocky soil. The rocky soil is this, that the, the seed is spread. And so because it's got some soil and some rock, the, the seed falls between the rock and it takes root for a little while. But because it doesn't have a true root system that as soon as the scorching sun comes, it does what? It kills off the flower. Then Jesus says there's this other soil. It's called the thorny soil. You remember in the parable that there's this really, really good soil, but it's covered with thorns. The thorns are the, 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 the pains of life is what Jesus will go on to say. And he says that 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 seed took root, but then the pains of life or the persecution of life came and choked it out. But then Jesus says there's this fourth soil. It's the good soil. It takes root. It goes and it flourishes. James here is not talking about the path or the hard soil. James is not talking about the good soil. The persons that James is talking about or the middle two, the rocky and the thorny soil, where it appears, keyword, it appears that they have a faith. But their faith quickly dies. And when their faith quickly dies, they perish. And so James is going to address these two types of people that wander from the faith. He's going to tell us three things in these two verses. The three things are this. There's the problem. There's the means or the solution to the problem. And then there's the reason for the problem and the means to the problem. So three things we'll look at this morning. The problem, the solution or the means, and the reason. So let's dive into God's holy word. Let's look first at the problem. He says this. He addresses the church. He says, my brothers or my sisters, those that are in community with one another, church, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, so the first problem is this. It's twofold. It says, if anyone, that, that word, those words to us, maybe it might happen, it could happen. When we read the word if, that's not what the Greek word says. The Greek word literally means this. There is a high, high possibility. The likelihood is that they are going to wander from the faith. He says, so when people wander from the faith, don't be surprised because it's most likely going to happen because they have no faith at all. The word wander means this. It means to go astray or to be led astray. Now, he now tells us the reason they're led astray. So there's two problems. They wander, but now he says, here's the reason that they wander. Let's look at the passage together. They wander from what? The truth. You see, the reason people wander is because they don't know the truth. Here's what's so scary in the world that we live in. What we live in, this society, is there is no more absolute truth. What is good for you may not be good for me. And what is good for me may not be good for you. And what is right for you may be right for me, but not right for you and vice versa. And so now we have no truth. We have choose your own adventure. 
We're in the mess we're in because we here in America have abandoned what we stood on. It's the truth of God. And how can we have abandoned the truth? Because we don't know the truth. So do we, first and foremost, because it's going to really hinge, this whole thing will hinge on you that's going to go after the one that's wandered. Do you know the truth? How often have we gone after people who've wandered from the truth? We don't know the truth ourselves, so when we meet them, we don't have anywhere to point to them, point them to. And then we're both now lost in the middle of the woods. Great, I can go find someone in the woods, but if I don't have a map out of the woods, I'm just as lost as they are. And then we have a whole lot of people lost in the woods with no map to get out of the, out of the woods because we don't have biblically sound, literate people that actually know the Word of God. But we have to first, I said it last week, I'll say it over and over, do we believe that this and only this is the truth of God? This plus nothing equals everything. Now, the world around us will say, this is outdated. This doesn't mean what it means anymore. This was for different times for different people. If Jesus were here, he would have written it in a different way today. You've heard all the excuses. And yet inside the church, we've begun to believe what the outside of the church is teaching us. Like, How is the church of Christ believing that it's okay to first even have abortion? That's the church. That's not even outside world. The church in America is beginning to believe that to be true. The church in America is beginning to believe that it's okay to have same-sex marriages. You may continue on. That's because we've wandered from the truth. May this be, uh, my dad was an architect. And he had this, he built this beautiful building. And in the middle of the building was this huge rotunda. And in the middle of that rotunda was, and I had never understood it as a middle school kid, but he had this thing called the plumb line. If you know anything about a plumb line, the plumb line is always going to be what? Straight. How a plumb line works, you tie it to the ceiling, you put a weight at the end so that you know which way is up and down, 90 degrees. It never gets off 90 degrees. How far we've wandered. This being true to us. I've said it before, I'll say it again as a way of illustration. If you're sailing in a boat and you set your sights onto one thing, but you go one degree off, by the end of your journey, you are as far away from where you thought you were going to be. It only takes one poor decision, one poor degree to get away from the truth of God. And that is what is happening in the church. And that is what James is addressing. We have wandered from the truth. There is absolute truth. Even Paul himself says it. He says this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. He's rebuking the church in Galatians. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ. And you are turning to a different gospel. 
Not that there is another gospel. Paul said there is only one gospel. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, the ones who first presented the gospel to you, this is what Paul says in his words, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach, let him be accursed. As you have heard it said before, so now I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you have seen and heard, let him be accursed. There is the true gospel. There is the truth. Here is the gospel in its most simplest form. And this is what's true about all of us. God's word says that there is none that are righteous. No, not one. There is no good person. That is what the gospel says. Your goodness or your lack of goodness is not what will get you into heaven. There is no one that is good. All of us, Romans says, we have all sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. You are a sinner by nature and in your sin by nature, you have been separated from God. And in that separation from God, if you do not have relationship with God through Christ, you will die and go to hell. That is the truth. And now what is sin? Sin is anything contrary to what God has called you to. And this is what God has called you to. But here's the promise. It doesn't have to be that way. Though we are sinners apart from God, the rest of the gospel, that there is good news. I've said it before, I'll say it again. If there's good news, there has to be bad news. If there's bad news, there has to be good news. Now the good news is this. That God in His grace, His kindness, and His love towards us while we were yet sinners sent Christ to die for us. So that He who knew no sin might become sin for us that have sin so that we could be have the imputed righteousness of Christ onto us so that we could spend eternity with God. What that simply means is this. In your wickedness, you needed the blood of Christ to save you from your wickedness. And in the blood of Christ, you are atoned for and you get to be in the presence of God. That is what the truth of the gospel is. That is the truth. And people have wandered from that. And, oh, it's not Christ and Christ alone. Oh, there's a lot of ways to heaven. No, there is only one way. It's through the finished work of Christ. If anyone tells you there's another way to heaven, they ought to be what Paul says. They ought to be accursed. That is the truth. So James is saying to us, people have wandered from the truth. And you and I know men and women who have wandered from the truth. That's the first problem. So we believe that there is a problem that people have wandered from the truth of God. Now he says the means or the solution to that problem is this. If anyone among you has wandered from the truth, and here's, he says it over again, and someone, and let him who brings back a sinner, let them, he goes on to say, who is the solution to their problem? You. It doesn't say the pastor, just to let you know. 
doesn't say the deacon. Now, I'm part of the solution, but I'm not the only solution. How often do we say it's the pastor's job when a man or woman wanders, he ought to go get them? No, no. James clearly says it is the role of the church to go after a man or a woman who has wandered from the church. The whole church is responsible for the one who has wandered. Say it again. It is all our responsibility for the one who has wandered. Now that is terrifying. But this is how Paul will say it. Turn to me with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, brothers and sisters, the church again. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you are in transgression if you wandered from the church. He says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual ought to what? It's the same words that James uses here in the passage. We are to what? Restore them. It is our responsibility to restore the man or the woman that has wandered. But here's the key word of this passage. How are we to restore them? With gentleness. I would say this with great shame and say this with great fear. I think that is the key word that is missing when we go to restore somebody. Gentleness. We want to come with the hammer. We want to come with the fury. And I wonder if so many people stay out there because they don't feel cared for, loved for, and it's not through a spirit of gentleness. Thank God in His graciousness and kindness to us, even while we were yet sinners, when He came to bring condemnation to us and conviction to us, He did it through the spirit of what? Gentleness. There is no way on God's green earth if that night, when I was in high school, God's conviction came with fury that I would ever come back to Him. He was gentle and kind to me to show me the errors of my ways, what James will say here in a moment. Such kindness that He did that. And so will we go and be on this mission through the means of the church to go and restore people with gentleness that they've been led astray. And now he tells us and reminds us, hey, this is what happens to those who are led astray. And this is the seriousness of the mission. Go back to James chapter 5, verse 20. He says, let him, that's the church, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner, that's one who's wandered from God, they will be saved, his soul from death, and there will be a covering of a multitude of sins. The seriousness is this, that they will face death. Now, in that passage, it tells me this, I say this with great fear and trepidation. 
There is no such thing as a backslidden Christian. A backslidden Christian cannot be a Christian at all because a backslidden Christian would not face death. Only an unbeliever is the one who would face death. And so that is who James is saying to us. The seriousness to go after the one who is backslidden isn't because he's just simply backslidden. He is an unbeliever that's going to face condemnation from a holy God for his sins. He says a sinner will face death. He's just been talking about those that have been in the church that have left the church. Therefore, they are no Christian at all. And he's saying it's our responsibility to go after them because we know what they face because in their ignorance, they've forgotten what they're going to face, which is death, eternal life without Christ Jesus. Now, how does that not compel us to go on mission to seek and save that which is lost? And then he says this, because when we go after them and we share the gospel with them and we bring them back to the faith, we leave them with the promise. The promise is this. It says it at the very end. This is how he ends the whole letter. Because we believe that there will be a covering of a multitude of sin. That is not anything that I've done. When I go after someone, I don't get to put a multitude of sins at rest. That's because I bring Christ to them, and Christ will be the one that covers the multitude of sins. And it's their sins that lead to death, that lead them away from God and lead them into a life eternal without him. And the promise is this, that God wants to use us. We are his primary means to seek and save that which is lost. Here's what one of my mentors would always tell me. Christ wants to use all of the church to reach all of his people. And what he meant by this, it's our responsibility to go with the work of Christ to seek and save that which is lost. If that was Christ's mission, that ought to be our mission. If that was Christ's mission, that ought to be the mission of the church, to seek and save which is lost. And it ought to come from us with this great agony that we know what's going to happen to them because they're so lost they forgot what's going to happen to them. And they may not even know what's going to happen to them. And so James is making this plea at the end of this letter that says, do you have faith that works? Which points back to us, those are in the church. Do we have a faith that works, that will go seek and save that which is lost? I want to end with these two verses this morning, and then I'm going to give us three things of application. This is what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 11, verse 30. It says, whoever captures the souls is wise. Whoever goes after people are wise, is what the writer of Proverbs says. Paul says this. This ought to be a reminder to us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21, Paul says this to the church, to the believer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? Therefore, a new creation. The old has passed away, but behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and then did what? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the whole world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us, and entrusting us with that same message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are what? Ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is our message to a lost world. We are imploring them on behalf of Christ to be reconciled for God. For our sake, he made him who to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the ministry of reconciliation that God has given to us. So I want to end with these three things. I want to end this letter with these three ways of application as he has called us to be on a rescue mission. The first is this. Would we, the church, would we, the Christian, be committed to praying for those who have gone astray? Are we praying for the man or woman who's wandered from the Lord? The second is this. Let us be committed to prayer that God would give us the courage to go after the one who's been led astray. And lastly, will we be committed to praying for opportunities to bring the message of reconciliation to those who have prayed? We are on a divine mission with God to reconcile the whole world back to God. Remember this, the church is God's primary, not his only way, but his primary way to seek and save that which is lost. Let me read the text, and then I'll pray for us as we close. My brothers and sisters, Powell's Chapel Baptist Church, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. May we be reminded of the mission that God has called us to.